That he does. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm not the childish Gambino. I'm yeah, Tom man. Merritt. I'm not Donald Glover either. I'm Brian Brushwood. So, haha, gotcha, Donald Glover. I found one last uh, corner of the world that you ain't been able to conquer yet. Uh, just wait. Oh, wait. Our guest today is <laughs> Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. How's it going, Richard? Hello, gentlemen. I'm so excited to be back. I think we should make this a biannual thing <laughs> yes it's been uh less than two years by nine days since we uh last had you on the show it's, uh, what you been up to uh watching a lot of tv and trying desperately to catch up on podcasts good good well you're in the right place then because we have a lot of podcasts to do and a lot of tv to talk about starting with our primary target So, as we knew, Disney had its uh, big old presentation to investors and the rest of the world uh, last Thursday about Disney+. Plus. Uh, the short version is Disney Plus will launch November 12th in the United States for $7 a month, or you can prepay for a year for $69. It'll support 4K HDR. Uh, they confirmed they will have apps for the Roku and the Sony PS4, but they expect to have apps on all the major platforms, desktop browsers, iOS, Android, the whole works. Uh, you will also, as a subscriber, be able to download your content for offline viewing for an unlimited amount of times uh, while you're a subscriber, uh, which is interesting. There's no expiration date. Even as long as you're a subscriber, you can keep it downloaded. You will also be able to create multiple user profiles, uh, particularly for your kids. You can have parental controls, things like that. They kicked around the idea that they might bundle in Disney Plus with Hulu at some point or, or ESPN Plus at some point, but they weren't confirming that. 5,000 TV catalog episodes, 100 movies, including all of the Disney Vault movies, worldwide launches over the next two years. BamTech, the former MLB Advanced Media, uh, will be doing the back end. They're the folks that do HBO now. Uh, they do Major League Baseball, et cetera. The app will be divided into five different uh, categories, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and where you'll find Brian and Jason's show, we hope. Oh, also my gosh. Known as National Geographic. Yeah, that National Geographic tag. Uh, it might happen. Jason and I might become Disney princesses. How amazing would that be? I so hope. <laughs> I so hope. Uh, that that is the case. Uh, there's there's so much to go on to. Let me let me just touch on some of the content that we're going to get out of this, and and then we'll break before we get into like the, the there's some cost breakdowns from Recode that I want to talk about too. But the complete Simpsons archive will be available on day one. That's currently on FX, which Disney now owns, so they'll be moving it over there. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a TV show coming with Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan in the Marvel Universe, the What If animated series that we talked about. WandaVision will be the name of the show with Wanda Maximoff and The Vision, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. Uh, a Loki show, a Hawkeye show, a high school musical show, a, uh, a world according to Jeff Goldblum kind of documentary style show, a show starring Forky from Toy Story 4, which we haven't even seen yet, a, a show with Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk based on Rogue One, uh, The Mandalorian, 
Mandalorian from John Favreau on day one, a Monsters Inc. TV series, and that new season of Clone Wars that they promised us uh, last year. In fact, they even put out a trailer for that on Sunday at Star Wars Celebration. All movies going forward will arrive on the service once they're outside of their other windows. Uh, within the first year, they'll have all Star Wars movies, all Pixar movies, and they're even bringing a live action Lady and the Tramp, Brian. All of this for $6.99 a month. Are you kidding me? Listen up, CBS Interactive. You gave us one show to get excited about and promised it was going to be great, going to be great, going to be great. This is how you launch an over-the-top network, my friends. Like, exactly. they showed up to play. That's the end yeah. of it. No, absolutely. They, they did almost everything right here, which is undercut everyone, no commercials, no restrictions on downloaded content, tons of originals coming day one and in the pipeline, tons of valuable back content going to be available day one and in the pipeline. This is what happens when you have a very successful money printing factory called the Disney Parks, as well as a an already successful and at least money generating television empire on cable. Yeah, but I also feel like this is what happens when you know how to do this. If there's anything that Disney do, does right, it's that they know how to present to consumers and to families and to children the stuff that they love out of their own catalogs. They've been doing this right for years and years and years and years, whether it's on the you know Sunday night world of Disney or whether it's in the theater or whether it's in their parks. Disney is a master at this. And, you know, you mentioned CBS. This is exactly right, right? Disney, it, when they come to the table, they have something to offer that you're willing to pay for. CBS is, was beating their chest with CBS All Access saying, we have Star Trek and expecting everybody to fork out $6 to pay that or $10 without commercials. This $7, I am in, 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 and I have no interest in ever paying CBS to see what I should be able to see over the air. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, when I said CBS Interactive, I was not failing to access the right word, CBS All Access. I mean, Tom's former employer, CBS Interactive. You could learn a lesson from that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I think I still maybe have some retirement funds t tied up in that. But, but yeah, yeah. Don't, don't disclaimers. Piss off. Don't piss them off. <laughs> exactly. My health care is paid for by Comcast. So Screw could, no. could, could um, they have done any better on the price point at launch and the amount of content? Because I, I honestly feel like um, the, the the fact that they're committing so much money to so many properties that are all based on things that we already love, I think was super, super strong. I think if they had front loaded that with any more promises, it would have triggered alarm bells. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think they perfectly threaded that needle. Um, and, and I think they have some advantages that competitors don't have. Uh, Michael Nathanson uh, was estimating a lot of the cost of this, uh, and I got this out of a Recode article. Uh, this should cost Disney $3.9 billion in their 2019 fiscal year. Wait, 4.9. Ju ju just, just in the 2019 fiscal year. Yes. In the 2019 fiscal year, Disney Plus will probably cost Disney $3.9 billion. So it will cost them about $4.9 billion next year uh, with Disney Plus accounting for $2.5 billion of that loss. And Disney says it will start making money on its streaming business by 2024. 
So the, you have to be a company that is ready to pour money down this uh, and and not see the return for five years, knowing that the businesses that you have in the same space, cable television, satellite television, over the air television, are going to decline over those five years. And so you're, you're it's worth pouring the money in here because this is going to pick up the slack. This is something Netflix can't do. The reason Netflix can't compete on price right now is Netflix has Netflix. They don't have parks. They have a very small merchandising uh, situation. They don't have any broadcast channels. They have Netflix. Uh, so they just have to keep spending investor money, hoping to build up momentum and develop other side businesses, which they are. They are going to develop those, but they don't have them yet. CBS is just a smaller company. They're a much smaller company than Disney. And so they don't have the back catalog that Disney has to play with, and they don't have the cash pile that Disney has has to play with. So, you know, I don't want to take anything away from what Richard's saying. Disney is also just really good at this stuff. You're absolutely right. But they have some advantages because they've been so good at this stuff uh, to be able to take, take advantage of themselves. I will say that's the only sour note of this whole thing because we're getting ready for the show and Bryce, uh, before we were on the air, said, hey guys, isn't it fun to have everything all from one mega corporation, uh, all your content in one place? And, uh, and and I do agree that that I, as a fan of competition and and that goes in the artistic markets as well as you know physical products, um, it, it does make me a little bit uncomfortable. But for now, as a consumer, man, I'm over the moon with with what they're offering. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I would also point out that uh, this is underlining something that I've been saying for a while, which is we're not going to see Hulu and Disney plus merge. Uh, Disney made it very clear that Hulu is going to be their adult arm. Uh, Disney plus isn't kiddie. It's not seven plus, but it's going to be teen friendly. They're they're You know, they're not going to put Fargo, the TV series on Disney plus. So this, this is going to be the family friendly version of the service. Uh, and Hulu is going to be the adult service. And that's where the FX stuff uh, will go. That that's where all the 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 more adult Handmaid's Tale, et cetera, is going to go. And in fact, right before the show, we found out that AT and T has cashed out their share of Hulu that they inherited when they bought Warner. Uh, it's only ten percent. It doesn't really change the effective relationship of Disney and Comcast. Uh, in fact, technically, right now, the nine point five percent that AT and T is selling back to Hulu will be owned by Hulu itself. Uh, and they will decide how to allocate that between its owners. And the the only significant owners they have left are Disney and Comcast. There's a few uh, in, uh, smaller investors in there as well at a few percentage points. But right now, Disney has 60%. Comcast has 30%. That's probably going to go up to 67%, 33% or something close to it. Uh, that doesn't really change anything going forward for Disney. They, they have full control of Hulu for now. The question is, will Comcast stay as a silent partner to re reap some some money off of Disney or will they sell it back to them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and also this is a familiar territory. Disney being able to run uh, adult properties or adult-focused uh, properties uh, without using the Disney name. I, I think what uh, they first started in the 1980s with Touchstone Pictures, is, is that what it was? Uh, they, uh, uh, I, I trust them to be able to manage that brand without necessarily trying to uh, homogenize the, the look at a corporate level. Yeah. Yep. One thing that I am interested in here, you know, the, the media is making a big deal out of the fact that they didn't yet announce on Apple and that Apple... 
TV Plus and Disney Plus are competitive and oh no, are they going to be there? Of course they're going to be there. I will go out on a limb and predict they're absolutely going to be there. Disney and Apple have this weird incestuous relationship. There's no way they're not going to be on Apple TV. Yeah, I mean, Prime Video is on Apple TV, and Amazon and Apple almost hate each other. And you know, <laughs> as far as you know, like to anthropomorphize companies too much, but but they really don't get along. They have a very uneasy relationship. Netflix is on Apple TV. I, I don't think I don't even see Apple's TV Plus uh, strategy as even being directly competitive with all this. They want all agree. these platforms on Apple TV. Right. They just want to use Apple TV Plus to make you buy their products. Uh, and their services in order to watch everything. I would agree. And, I, and there's no coincidence that the way this is laid out and the look of this thing, the way they demonstrated it, just happens to look exactly like how Apple TV apps look. Well, there's a design sensibility that is shared across those companies. So, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I wonder how much that's, that's on accident. Uh, are you guys... I mean, it's not, I think you already answered this well, question. I was going to ask, you know, are you going to pay the seven bucks? Are, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, it's like, how, mean, how, how could we not? I mean, that's yeah. that, that introductory price, my goodness. The Mandalorian I mean, alone, right. Yeah. Is, is going to be enough for me to want to jump well, in. in the back catalog. And, and if you have children, this is like, like this is sort of like a, maybe, maybe this is the brilliance of it. Um, with Amazon prime, it's, a no-brainer that you're going to get Amazon Prime for the shipping, and oh, it's great that there's a TV service attached to it. Same thing here. It's like if you have children, I'm sorry, you're you're just going to sign up and pay that seven dollars, uh, and then along with that, good news, you'll get some new shows that you'll like. Uh, you know, they're hitting every segment here. They're hitting the adults. They're hitting the fans of these big brands. They're hitting the children. I mean, yes, in in in. I'd buy. You heard place. it here first, people. Disney is hitting the children. <laughs> <laughs> with great content. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, what's funny is some of these, these ideas like the Kess and or uh, K2SO series. I'm like, yeah. And it didn't matter because they're like, we're also giving you a new season of Clone Wars, Tom and the Mandalorian looks amazing. And you're going to get all this back catalog. And uh, there's going to be these other shows like they just covered you and stuff. So they're like, don't care about a high school musical reunion. No worries. We've got this other thing that you will be interested in. Uh, no, don't like the Marvel stuff. How about the Star Wars stuff? Don't like the Star Wars stuff. How about Monsters, Inc.? Like they're just they play to so many different fields. I think it's, that's it's, part of what makes it savvy, because, you know, if you're only going to have five uh, silos on the front page of this thing, uh, setting up National Geographic as one of them is smart because it is an inherently adult brand that is always kid friendly, except for when they're showing like, you know, murdering animals or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you see that Netflix is warning animal lovers that they might need to skip through parts of planet Earth or really? Whatever? Yeah. Mm. Our planet, I think is what it's called. And uh, what is it called again? Our planet, I think. Our planet. Thank you. Planet Earth's the BBC one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I Again, CBS doesn't have this back catalog. CBS has old episodes of Family Ties, so that's what they put up there. I still think CBS All Access is successful and will continue to be successful as they add Twilight Zone, as they add other originals to this uh you may not like them but enough people will like them they'll keep going in fact the good fight you know we we have sort of i think unfairly added as a footnote to star trek when we talk about cbs all access it has a very positive and growing fan base for it jonathan colton does little like tiny uh, uh musical bits for the good fight on cbs all access so 
I wouldn't count CBS All Access out, but it there's no comparison between absolutely, that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just a smaller catalog. And the other thing is that I dislike the fragmentation that's happening. I dislike that you have to go to seven different places to find the show that you want to watch. I, I, ultimately, I think that's bad for ex, for consumers. Exclusives are great for companies, bad for consumers. But, but everything on Disney Plus is an exclusive to them too. It, it is, it is, but there's just so much there. I really don't feel like this is as much fragmentation because, like we said earlier, they own so much of this space. I think you nailed it. The reason people get upset at CBS for Star Trek Discovery is not because they made it exclusive, even though that's what you say. It's that they made it exclusive to a place that they don't see anything else they want to watch. Right. <laughs> right. And if they if they had the breadth to offer that Disney Plus does, it would it would make it better. Yep. Man, I I, yeah. I I think really it is uh, CBS that has the most to lose here because we tend to we tend to like things in threes. And I think we can mm -hmm. all justify our Amazon Prime membership for the shipping. Netflix is a non-starter. We're never giving that up. But if we're going to have to pick, I mean, by positioning themselves, because CBS is what, six bucks a month? Uh, with CBS ads, is six. With, with advertising. With ads, ten without. Yeah, it's ten without. <sighs> I mean, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, that's an easy budget right. decision. You know, and, and I think that's really the thing is we think of Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, and then there's these other streaming services out there, right? There's Acorn and BritBox and uh, all this other stuff. And CBS All Access is kind of halfway in between. Disney Plus, I think, is going to be thought of like Amazon, Prime Video, Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Uh, how long do we trust them to have that be the real price? Uh, 2024. Uh, oh, 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 really? You, you think they'll hold on for just market share, be just, just set and fired all that money until uh... I think they have enough money in the bank. They can be real patient. Yeah. I, I may, I may be extending it, but it, they, they can wait, if, they can wait several years before they have to hike that price. They will I, I, hike it though. You're right. I, I, well, that's you know, so interesting. As a stockholder, I hope they do someday. I, 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 yeah. I totally would have figured like just for the first year, but, but man, if I wrap my mind around the idea of them holding on for five whole years, half a decade at that price, they're they're going to own the world. Yeah. NBC is going to be in that CBS All Access bucket, I bet. Although well, they have a little bit, they have a little bit more of a catalog to work with. They have the Universal Studios to work with, so they they might have they might have some more. That I think is what we really need to take away from this going forward, because we know that there are still players coming to market. You were talking about Viacom trying to figure out how to put a wrapper around their content just a couple of weeks ago, and we certainly expect that we might end up with other networks trying to do the same thing that CBS is doing. If I were them, I would be rethinking that strategy, whatever they were planning on taking to the table. Well, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what Viacom's up to. Uh, NBC is going to come with a service later this year, and we'll see what it is. Uh, but whether whether it sticks, I, I think it's going to shake out where we'll figure out whether it's three or five or whatever the number of services we can all deal with. That'll probably mean seven to ten can survive in general, and the rest will just become either uh, program makers or they'll just go away, one or the other. Because, yeah, Warner's coming with theirs uh, built around TNT as well. One thing that is never going away, and I mean never, because Brian and I will never die. That's right. Cord killers. Well, and, and especially, look, we have a plan. It doesn't involve dying. It does involve us uploading our consciousness to the cloud at some point. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those neural implants ain't going to come cheap. And that's why we need you guys to head on over to patreon.com slash cord killers, a buck an episode. Hey, do you enjoy us hanging out? If you met us in real life once per year, would you buy us both a cup of coffee? We'd love to have it. 
Also, uh, wait, that would be a very expensive cup of coffee. Yeah, All right, we're quite. at Starbucks. The important thing <laughs> is that for a bucket episode, you can keep the Cord Killers rocking. Patreon.com slash Cord Killers. You get your own RSS feed. You get uh, uh, the after talk segment that nobody gets except for our bosses. You get the, uh, uh, the, the spoiler, the spoiler time. in time on, on your same RSS feed. It's the best. Join now, patreon.com slash cord killers. Let's talk about how to watch. You know, there's going to be a day when we no longer care about the update of an operating system on the box we watch our TV on, but today is not that day. Roku announced new features, and it's 9.1 OS for boxes and TVs, for Roku TVs as well. Uh, searches within genres will now be broken down into further categories, like new releases and free by the way, most of the free is the, in the Roku channel, just so you know. Uh, voice commands will now include commands to turn captioning on and off, and replay will let you skip back a few seconds. Signing into your Roku account on a new device will also now sign you into participating apps. So if you get a new Roku TV or new Roku device, once you sign in with Roku, it'll automatically sign you into Hulu and Pandora if you've allowed it to have access to those accounts. The update will start rolling out to Roku boxes in the next few weeks and come to Roku TVs in early summer. So do you notice, I, I know that when I hear these stories, I tend to think of like checkboxes and I'm like, good, 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 good. But almost never do I find myself, uh, you know, jumping into that. And I mean, I have a Roku box, but but I don't know. I'm so diverse in the different ways I watch the content. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much these individual boxes mean to me personally. Uh, do either of you guys have a strong take on that? Mm, I, for me... The things that are going to catch my attention are where they're doing stuff to make this single sign-on more cohesive, right? Because uh, I, that's when I just want to throw my remote control at the television is if I start up on a new box or or they, for some reason, have decided that it's a security risk if my TV is connected to the service for more than 30 days and I have to sign in. And, oh, by the way, I'm not home. So now the household doesn't know how to access that service while I'm out of town. Uh, that stuff is just a pain. And anything they can do to improve that, I will raise and wave the flag for their updates. Yeah, I second that. Securely, please. And there is a way to do it securely. But yeah, may, uh, make that make that easier. That That is going to happen. Eventually, this will all tell our children how ridiculous it was to sign in to apps back in the day. Uh, also, T-Mobile announced its home internet TV service based on the acquisition of Layer 3 TV. That's the home television service. We've talked about Layer 3 on Cord Killers before. Uh, it's over the internet, but it uses set-top boxes. The new version will be called T-Vision Home, like T-Mobile, but T-Vision. It will launch April 14th. Uh, in fact, it means it launched April 14th in the same eight markets as Layer 3, uh, starting at $90 a month with more than 150 channels, no hidden fees, yeah, if it's $90 a month, you pay $90 a month, and they say that it will stay $90 a month for the foreseeable future unless you add something like HBO or whatever. No bill creep. They're not going to slowly you know, raise it a dollar a month over the years like cable TV does sometimes. Uh, the service does require you to have an internet connection and hardware from T-Mobile that will cost you $10 a month per connected TV to rent. Those set-top boxes do include a one-terabyte DVR, voice control, and apps to other services like Netflix, Pandora. They say Prime Video is going to come before the end of the year. They will make recommendations based on your viewing preferences and your habits. If they know, oh, you always watch uh, the, the, you know, uh, the Fall Guy on Tuesdays the Fall uh, guy. on CBS All Access, <laughs> uh, they'll they'll suggest that to you. Um, <laughs> 
remember where that one came from. To be honest. <laughs> That's amazing. I guess I was thinking of CBS All Access back catalog. Uh, anyway, let, let, let's uh, let's say uh, uh, you watch Blackish, uh, and there's a new episode of Blackish. It'll suggest that to you. Anyway, T-Mobile plans an app for streaming to mobile devices in the home, not while you're out, and eventually apps on connected TV devices, so you don't have to get those separate boxes to connect it. And T-Mobile is preparing a totally separate wireless nationwide streaming service for phones, set to debut later this year. But don't get confused; that's a whole different thing. It's not related to T-Vision. T-Vision, Brian, is cable TV without cables. So, I just had like a a bone-shaking epiphany right now. Like uh, to go out of their way to re manufacture the cable experience to people who are ostensibly free of cable. Um, we, we've done this show for, for the bulk of our run with basically like cable. Whew, it's what you're stuck with. Am I right? Oh, wouldn't it be great to break free of this? And the fact that they're doing this over the top to recreate that cable like experience. I just realized cable is the new vinyl. Like cables <laughs> never going to die. It's going to be a boutique experience that has its own merits. This crazy all you can eat real time buffet, this fire hose of content. And there are going to be people who swear by it uh, and, and say, oh, my God, the ability to just jump from one thing mid show to another thing mid show. That's uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's interesting to realize like cable will will never be defeated. I think there's something to that because I have assumed that this will appeal if it appeals to anyone to people who have cable. Somebody who's like, wait, I don't understand. How do I get it? They don't understand Roku. They don't understand Apple TV. And this is a comfortable transition to say, hey, this has got simpler billing. It's probably cheaper than your cable service because we know the average cable service, even though it starts lower than $90, the average cable customer pays more than $90 a month in the US. This is a way to say, you know what? You know what your cable bill will be. There'll be no creeping fees and we'll provide the hardware. You don't have to worry about that. And that's an extra $10 a month. I mean, I mean, when I wrap my mind around it from that perspective, if you're somebody in that position, it feels like a luxurious concierge experience. Yeah. Richard, what do you think? I can probably wrap up my reaction to this whole story with one word. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Because it's not, it's like, I would never want this. Right. But I guess somebody might. But it's like, it's yeah. unapologetically cable, which means that somewhere, some market analyst has figured out that in some focus groups, people are like, I just want it to work and be like cable. And and what's funny is it's going to be more and more novel as time goes on, as people go to their grandparents' house and experience this. They're like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is how you watch stuff? And T-Mobile is going to roll out their 5G in-home service later this year and said, this will integrate with that. So then you get the people who don't even have the home internet connection that can handle TV. And you said, don't worry about that. Uh, we have 5G reception built into this box. That'll be a, you know, a transparent service fee on, on the box, you know, $5 a month. If you don't already have an internet connection, you can tap into our fast 5G service. And imagine if you're somebody who has to deal with, a, you know, that brief couple of seconds lag uh, with a satellite service and all of a sudden you get to just, you know, get instant faster uh, load times on everything. That'd be that'd be pretty good. Yeah. No, I, th I think you're right, Richard. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. Not like you.
All right. Uh, Star Wars. You may have heard of it. Uh, there have been several movies in that universe, mostly in the Skywalker saga. And if you hadn't heard, the last of the movies, they call it Episode 9, is coming out at the end of this year. December 20th, to be specific, here in the United States, we will see Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, as they are going to call it. This was revealed at Star Wars Celebration this past weekend, and a teaser trailer showing images from that forthcoming movie was presented. I watched it, Tom. Oh, dear. You did? Yeah, I did. I'm kind of, kind um, of surprised. Yeah. Uh, can, can you guess which part I didn't care for? Uh, well, if you're jumping to conclusions about what it means, I'm going to guess it's Palpatine at the end. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I will refer everyone to Let's Talk About Star Wars for the majority of my opinion uh, that I, I shared with uh, Jenny Josephson and Garrett Weinzerl, uh, that that episode is out right now. But the short version is I, I'm very excited by this teaser trailer because, uh, A, I have a different... I have different needs from Star Wars than Brian does, and and probably a lot of you do. Uh, and this seems to tap most of those needs. And I don't think Palpatine's going to be what you th may think he's going to be. In yeah, this movie. and to be honest, like I wouldn't mind like a like a Robo recording master plan. Like, oh, you have to go into the vault of Palpatine to extract the 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 Matrix core to fuse your lightsabers together. It's the only way to stop. Uh, 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 I think it'll be more like a uh, like a guiding voice uh to 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 crew to finish the contingency plan uh that palpatine put in place some of that's pulled from the comics and the books um but it, it won't he won't he won't kylo ren's still gonna be the big evil and my guess is that uh our heroes uh ray and and finn and poe uh are gonna be chasing kylo through most of this movie to stop him from his evil yeah plan. i i think what i want most is for this to feel big in a way that that the last jedi didn't feel big it felt like a very yeah, you know, it was six or seven ships fighting two or three ships. It, it felt small, you know, and I and I, I normally think of big sweeping uh, things mm -hmm, with the Star mm -hmm. Wars universe. Richard, what about you? I'm excited about it. You know, I, I first of all, I didn't know if they were going to stick with the same characters or if they were going to jump forward in time a little bit. So I'm excited that they're going to wrap up these story arcs with these characters. And I don't go into these movies to look to pick them apart. I look at them as an enjoyable story that I've been watching since I've been a little little kid. And so I, I'm excited by it. The title is going to take some getting used to, but Are you kidding I mean, this, this is like the most venial of sins when it comes to titles in the Star Wars franchise. This is, I'm this intrigued is a minor by what issue. they mean by that. Uh, I can let my mind go to horrible places that I will hate, uh, but I can also let my mind go to places that make me very happy and smile. So... <laughs> We shall see. Any other thoughts on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the first character name, I think, to ever be in a Star Wars title, right? Well, Solo, a Star Wars story, but I'm talking about the, the episodes. Yeah, uh, we'll see. The Force is yeah. kind of like a character. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> now we could just, just start retconning everything into characters to make me wrong. Oh, Bryce. God. Come on. Okay. <laughs> now I want to go back and make sure that nobody, no, they all call him the Phantom Menace. Like, oh, it's you, Phantom Menace. <laughs> Phantoms are a character. <laughs>
Clones are a character. <laughs> Jedis as a group are a character. I'm not a proper name. I don't think there's been a proper name. Well, I mean, what Has if there? it's a noun? What if, what if, what if, what if Skywalker is a, a, a well, type of ship? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could be birds. I don't see anybody walking in the sky. Birds. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, the other most important movie in your childhood was The Lion King. Came out 25 years ago, and it's coming out again, July 19th. Uh, it's called live action because it's not cell animated, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, although I, most of it is using CG. That word? I mean, I did they? Because because I have to I have to come up with a stance of whether or not I'm going to have beef with it every time somebody calls it live action. I feel like I'm people not going to. I've decided I'm not going to fight when people call it live action. But I get that it's like, well, it's not technically live action. Most of these characters, these I mean, are I not real animals out there. You could do the reverse because you could say like, okay, if you don't want to call this live action, then you don't get to call the Avengers live action. And right, it's like, right. Ooh. I mean, where is the line? Right? Yeah. I think Lion King is almost entirely CG though. Yeah. Do we know how this was shot? Did they shoot actual locations? They may have. They may have used actual locations. I'm pretty sure they did. So it's only the animals that are CG if that's the case. Right. Yeah. But this is another one. I'm not going to slam on it. I was excited about this when I heard about it. This, it, this, you know, the the first two minutes of this movie are iconic in in Disney movie history. And when I saw them recreating uh, segments of that, I was blown away. I'm excited to see it. I'm not going to slam on it until I see if they end up destroying it or bringing it back to life in a great new way. How did y'all feel about this trailer? I, I haven't seen I, the newest trailer. And to be honest, it, it it falls into that category of like, you know, I'll, I'll be on board. I mean, I got kids, so... You yeah, you're going to go see it. I thought they <laughs> did a killer job with this trailer. Uh, this is... this this. I was already pretty on board uh, after the last teaser, but... This this was moving and it made it look like it's going to be as as dramatic and emotional as the first one with a little bit of the fun kind of tucked in at the end of the trailer so that, you know, like, OK, it's not, you know, we'll still have the fun and games. Don't worry about that. Akuna Matata. It's all good. Uh, but the, but they really leaned into the drama. And uh, I think all of you should buy several tickets. To oh, it oh, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Disclosures. Uh, disclosures. I wonder who has that movie. Hmm. I just want everyone to have a good time. That's all. Yeah, yeah that's it. It's, it's not, you know, it's not seriously uh, because I own it in the movie draft and rely on it. Not, not at all. I will say that to win. I worry a little bit about the drama because Disney has been doing this thing where they've been leaning heavily into really heavy dramatic scenes to the point that if I'm watching them with my niece and nephew, or if I'm just watching alone, thinking about kids watching this, I'm like, wow, this is really heavy. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is probably Toy Story 3 had some really, really heavy, dark, upsetting scenes in it. And I wonder if making it more lifelike is going to make some of the scenes in here that are pretty hard already that much more difficult for smaller kids. Yeah, it certainly is going to make it punch harder, and it doesn't look like they're. We already know nuts. that Disney loves hitting kids, so I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> Part two, <laughs> it's like they a really roll of quarters do. in their fist. Uh, the producers of Chef's Table have a new series called Street Food. It's sort of the idea of where Chef's Table talked to Michelin star chefs. The this series will talk to local food celebrities who do street food. 
some of them also have Michelin stars, by the way. That's coming to Netflix April 26th. Each episode will focus on a particular location. So, sorry, I, do you think they're already setting up like a food truck version of this uh, for the next season? I mean, street food probably will deal with a few food trucks, but it's it's Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, Korea. Uh, so, yeah, I could totally see them do a North America hipster food truck version. Absolutely. You think they'll have a segment on a, a, a gutter oil? <laughs> that, that that horrific. Uh, oh, did you hear about this? Like some some percentage of street vendors are using uh, reclaimed oil from the city sewers. Well, it's reclaimed. It, it would no, but not sanitized. <laughs> yeah, but they they heat it up, Brian. I'm <laughs> sure it's fine. <laughs> Ew. Caveat emptor. Uh, also, uh, crowdfunded Deep Space Nine documentary. What we left behind with upgraded. Hand upgraded. They did it just for this documentary. HD footage of Deep Space Nine uh, coming to your local theater for one day only, May 13th. This is one of those Fathom Events things that you, you'll see uh, advertised before the movie sometimes. Uh, this was a labor of love for people, and it looks amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. It's it's the right time for a, for a love letter like this. This was probably my favorite Star Trek series so I'm very excited about this. I probably won't get to see it in the theater. So I certainly hope that they also sell it afterward so that you can yeah, buy it. Yeah, they are. There's a, the, the people who back the Kickstarter will get a digital copy first, and then they'll start making it available to other people to buy. But still, uh, but still like, this- like if, if you want to be there with other people who love this, I mean, um, I mean, there are people who are going to drive hour and hours and hours and hours to be there for it. To find their Fathom Events place, yeah. Uh, Tales of the City will come to Netflix June 7th. If you're like, wait, didn't they do miniseries? Yeah, uh, they did three miniseries of Tales of the City before. They all starred Laura Linney, Paul Gross, and Olympia Dukakis. And the fourth miniseries on Netflix will star Laura Linney, Paul Gross, and Olympia Dukakis, as well Sweet. as Ellen Page. Sweet. Did you see these? These were fantastic series when they were on. Man, I no, did. No, I never did. Yeah, this this is a, a really good series of books, and uh, PBS took a really bold move when they showed these, like maybe twenty or more years ago. You know, this was way before it was just totally commonplace to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gay," or for people to admit openly that they had AIDS. And this these stories are were just fantastic stories to tell. The books were amazing, and so I'm very excited about this. I think this will be great. <laughs> Striker Rich wants to know who let Laura Linney out of the Ozarks. Uh, <laughs> she, 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 she doesn't live in Ozark on Netflix. She gets to do other things. In fact, she, she introduces Masterpiece Theater sometimes on BBS. Uh, Hulu has slotted July 26th for its eight-episode revival series of Veronica Mars from the original series creator Rob Thomas, starring Kristen Bell and the whole cast. Well, not the whole cast. If a character's dead, they're not coming back on it. <laughs> Is this separate from the crowdfunding campaign? Yeah, yeah. this is carrying on after the this events of the crowdfunding This is following on movie. on that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I so need to watch these. I know that this is a great series. I helped fund, well, I helped. I gave $35 to that campaign. But, uh, you know, I, I think this is a really, a really great thing that they're carrying this on. The fans love this. And someday I hope I have time to watch it. And Hulu has set July 31st for the launch of a 10-episode Four Weddings and a Funeral series with a pilot script written by Mindy Kaling and Matt Warburton. Uh, that's a that's a solid hit for uh, for for Hulu. I, I wonder if um, Hulu's big hits 
what what do you think has been as big of a home run as like a Handmaid's Tale? What what else would you put in that category for for Hulu? Castle Rock, I guess, is the one I hear more people buzzing about. Yeah. Man, all of a sudden, I'm 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 a little bit concerned for Hulu's prospects uh, because don't we don't we have a story coming up about uh, the act? Yes, and it being a very uh, oh, popular uh, show. Uh, sure. Would, would you put Would you put Future uh, Man up there? Story <laughs> about the act. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And we'll pull it out of the lineup. Uh, Hulu CEO Randy Freer told Disney investors last week that Hulu original The Act has driven more new subscribers to series than any other Hulu original in the first month. That means new subscribers who joined Hulu and watched the show in the first 24 hours of their membership. So it's not the most popular, but it is definitely the one that has driven people to sign up for Hulu the most. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hulu will be interesting to watch. Uh, like all of a sudden, my whole world has been shattered thinking about this Disney Plus thing and what's going to happen to the ecosystem. Well, and they're going to start losing shows uh, for sure, but they're also going to start gaining all the Fox stuff, uh, all the stuff that FX, FXX, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff on Nat Geo might even make its way over to Hulu as well. There's no reason they can't share it between the two or split it up. Uh, hacking the system might end up on Hulu. Who knows? Um, but but you're going to see f- a lot of quality. The quality type stuff you see on FX is going to show up on Hulu. Uh, and and possibly some of that stuff that would have shown up on FX will go to Hulu first. I don't know. I think Hulu's got better prospects now, myself. Yeah, they just have such a they, – they have a mixed history with these originals. And other than The Handmaid's Tales, I'm – it, there really isn't anything that I've watched there that I haven't ultimately dim, been disappointed by. Uh, we got several things being renewed. Barry renewed for season three at HBO. Uh, HBO confirmed Westworld season three coming in 2020, not coming this year. Insecure season four and Curb Your Enthusiasm season 10 will also return to HBO in 2020. Future Man renewed for its third and final season and Shrill renewed for season two at Hulu. Uh, dude, as a fan of Future Man, I'm I'm kind of glad if if they're they're calling an end date and we'll we'll have a complete arc of some variety. Yeah, uh, and then a few pieces of development news. Michael Benson, Amazon's TV head of marketing, uh, said through a reveal of a series of maps, we told the audience and the fans that we're going to be going into the second age when they do their Tolkien series. You may say, yeah, guys, that's what you told us before on Cord Killers. Why are you saying it again? Because everyone on the Internet suddenly decided to speculate that even though they showed a map clearly from the second age of Tolkien's universe, that they were somehow still going to do the third age and young Aragorn. So this is Michael Benson coming out and basically saying, no, really, we meant the second age when we put that map out. Apple has ordered an eight-episode series based on Lisey's story. Uh, it will be written by Stephen King. Stephen King wrote Lisey's story. He's going to write the episodes for this Apple series as well, and it'll be produced uh, by J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot. Julianne Moore has been cast to play the lead. Uh, well, shoot. Now I feel like I can't read the book until after I see the show. Oh, really? You haven't read Lisey's story before? Yeah, no, so, no, yeah. no. That, that one is Now you have to me. wait for Apple TV Plus yeah. to launch yeah. before you can read Lisey's story. Richard? Eh. Yeah. All right. Uh, And then Hulu has ordered a limited series called The Dropout based on the ABC radio series about Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes with Saturday Night Live's Kate McKinnon playing Elizabeth Holmes. So bizarre. So bizarre. How so? I I have a hard time 
thinking about taking her as an actress seriously in a serious role. Every comedian faces that moment, right? Yeah. Uh, Bill Murray had to, had to do it. Uh, George Clooney even had to do it, even though he wasn't comedic coming from ER. I mean, like, how can I take this guy seriously? I mean, so, well, he had sort of like a, that soap opera kind of curse where yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, you got a similar be a sort of situation face. that he had to overcome those stereotypes. So this will be the moment where we'll see if Kate McKinnon can shed that, that feeling. I hope she can. Cause I think she's a phenomenal comedian. All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. What's something you've been watching recently that you loved, Richard? Well, you know, there are – well, first of all, let's just get it out. Uh, Game of Thrones, obviously. obviously. And uh, I think we'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. Uh, that pretty exciting. The, that season has started again. I've been watching the second part of Making a Murderer, which was the story about uh, Stephen Avery and his – nephew that were imprisoned for a murder that is questionable whether they were actually committed it or not. And then uh, two shows that I think just don't get enough attention because I think they're both amazing in their own right are The Orville and Superstore. Every single episode I see of The Orville just hits a note about something so, so well. I am continually impressed by that show. And Superstore just kind of reminds me of the days when I really loved The Office for all the little stuff that's going on that you have to really watch to catch. How nice. amazing is it that we have reached an age of of splintering and siloification that you need to mention these broadcast primetime multi-million dollar budgeted shows <laughs> because you're afraid they're underrepresented in the minds of our listeners. Right, right. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I I loved the Orville, and I, I watched the first episode of this season, and it's just sort of been second priority for me. And I've been not that I don't love it, but I, I'm like, oh, I can watch that later, right? That that's becoming a bigger answer now because there's less of a pressure to have to watch any particular thing. I think Game mm -hmm. of Thrones is one of the exceptions to that. Yep. Uh, Brian, what about you? Oh, over the weekend, I took the kids to go see a uh, Missing Link, and uh, I got to tell you, I. Almost didn't go just because it was stop motion animation and it looked to me a little bit like the trailer looked like early man, which this I is did the not one enjoy. that's like, um, oh, shoot, uh, I had the name at the tip of my head. But what's the famous uh, Sasquatch <laughs> Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah, no, the style of animation, though, it comes from uh, oh, Rankin Bass. <laughs> no, I don't mean Rankin Bass. I mean, the uh, British TV oh, show. Oh, Wallace oh, and Gromit. Wallace oh, and Gromit. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and, and so uh, this is from the different production studio, though. It's uh, a Leica, and they did um, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, they, they did Coraline and a Which bunch of stuff. Great. Uh, it's great. It's delightful, and it's light. And what I loved about it, uh, Tom, I think you'll enjoy it because uh, I, what Hugh Jackman is the lead on that, right? And he it takes place uh, around the time of Victorian, I don't know, late 1800s or early uh, 20th century. And uh, what I loved is that you got all this uh, charming British uh, adventurer talk with none of that need to add the underlying bit uh, white supremacist much, aren't you? You know, like it's there's no bitter undertones of irony to it. And it felt so light and free and joyful. And uh, I loved it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. Very cool. Uh, I binged on Saturday with my wife, uh, the Korean drama Sky Castle, uh, which I probably mentioned before, but it is mm -hmm. about the pressure that parents put on their children to perform well in order to get entry into a prestigious university. Uh, and it just, 
they they ramped it up. We, it was funny. We were watching episode, I think, 13, maybe. And I, w- I had been reading online. I was like, you know, the next episode we're going to watch was the biggest ratings ever of a Korean drama. And then every episode of Sky Castle after that breaks its own record until the finale. Wow. Uh, and it's it's really good. Uh, you you have to like this kind of drama, you know, because there's a little bit of a soap opera feel to it. And it's it's mostly about a small community of wealthy people, uh, although there's some who've pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and others who inherited and some hiding their past and all of that sort of thing. But the issues they're dealing with and the and the craziness of the pressure uh, is real. And it's the kind of pressure you read about in the pages of American news today. Right. It's uh, ripped straight from the headlines kind of. So anyway, I, if you're uh, somebody who's into this sort of thing and don't mind captions and all that, uh, check out Sky Castle on Vicky. Cool. What should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, well, you know, everyone we, we talked about earlier, Game of Thrones is back. And I think if you are someone who is not into the show before and haven't uh, tried it, here we go. I'm going to pitch you Game of Thrones. Uh, so if you are out of the loop, Game of Thrones is a fantasy epic that follows the various dynasties uh, that are out for power and revenge and control of the seven kingdoms of the land. You've got the Starks who want peace in their land and want to protect their family. You have the Lannisters who want to fortify their dominance in the land by any means necessary. Uh, the Targaryens who want uh, to to uh, get their ruling power back after they were stripped of it. All of these stories, a bunch more. There's bloodshed. There's surprises. There are dragons eventually. Uh, and I think what is kind of remarkable about game of thrones is that it is like super dense in terms of storytelling there are constantly a dozen different storylines going on at the same time and because because binging and streaming have made uh shows like this much more accessible it was kind of a perfect time for game of thrones to come out when it did in in back in 2011 uh so i you know if if this is uh something that you've heard a lot about but never really got into uh, now's a pretty good time to get in. Uh, the The final season just started airing on HBO, and there are only like six episodes uh, left, or five episodes left, I guess, now at this point. Uh, and those are coming out on Sunday evenings, but uh, HBO uh, Now and HBO Go have the back catalog of Game of Thrones. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time to get into it now that, you know, this chapter is about to close on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what, as you're listening, you can take the Game of Thrones challenge and probably get caught up just in time to be there for that cultural gestalt moment of the whole world tuning in for the very end. Yeah. Also, uh, as uh, for the audio listeners, we were looking at the first season trailer during this. Look and how young everyone goodness, is. Those baby faces. <laughs> the child. Everybody. Even the actual children. Oh, children. They've all grown up. So. I mean, it's literally 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, folks, if you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us cordkillers at gmail.com. Brian. Uh, yeah, buddy. What's up? Tell, tell me something good. Uh, I'll tell you something good. We're trying an experiment, and theoretically it should be over by now, but we're, we're extending it for, for – technically we're saying 24 hours. It'll probably be a couple of days. But um, uh, since we launched Scam Stuff, Gear for the Modern Rogue, a bunch of cool stuff, everybody keeps saying, why don't you ship for free? And we're like, because things cost money to ship. And so this year, uh, this year for, what, eight years into it, uh, this experiment, we decided to try as an experiment what happens if we offer worldwide free shipping. There is a minimum expense. I think 
think it's like 129 international. Mm-hmm. But uh, but man, oh man, it's great. A lot of people who have enjoyed looking at the stuff in the store, but couldn't get over that bitter pill of international shipping are jumping in. And I'm getting the emails from people who are just giddy to uh, finally cash in on everything. Everything uh, Everything's on sale, a couple of them, as much as 50%. Go to scamstuff.com and uh, know that you're not only helping out uh, uh, you know, my operation, but uh, we're, we're really excited to be building this headquarters. And uh, we got a tax bill. So now's a good time <laughs> for you guys to take advantage of it. Uh, you know what? I was going to make a joke about you and a time machine at Jeff Bezos in May 1996. But uh, you know what? I don't want to dilute that message. So <laughs> go shop, people. Help a brother out. Scamstuff.com. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. David Lynn, chief of Viacom International Media Networks, told the MIP TV conference Tuesday that while other studios are prioritizing their own platforms, Richard, Viacom is, quote, looking beyond our own networks to cement deeper relationships with you, our distribution partners. We don't see our own streaming platforms as the primary window for our premium content. He also added, demand for content seems insatiable. And that represents a major growth opportunity for all of us in the business of production or syndication. And in fact, CBS distribution chief Armando Nunez had made a similar comment in his talk to MIP TV before that. I mean, forgive me for saying that seems like what you say when you don't have a seat at the siloed table, especially since they <laughs> just bought uh, uh, was a Pluto TV mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, they have an opportunity to play that game. But they're announcing that they're not going to play that game because why would anyone want to play that game? I I don't know that I think it's that simple. I do I think it may be Viacom. I know this is an unpopular opinion. I think Viacom may be smarter than many of the other networks here. And maybe to Richard's point earlier, smarter than NBC, who's gonna try to get in there and go toe-to-toe with Netflix and Disney Plus and and Prime Video. Viacom may look at it and say, look, we don't have the big back catalog, and we do have a big movie studio, and we do have MTV, and we have a lot of stuff. But a TV, but a streaming service from us isn't going to survive against that. So we need to sell programs that we make to others and make money doing that because that's one option that you have in this world is to become a production company that makes TV shows for all of these streaming services that are hungry. Netflix buys TV shows from production companies all the time. They want a piece of that Netflix pie. And the way you get it now is to make a show for them. And they've got Pluto TV, which is lean back free ad supported to say we can also just cash in on the stuff that we own the rights to and put it on this service that's free. You know what's cheaper than $6.99 a month? Nothing. Uh, Pluto TV may not have the selection that Disney Plus is, but it doesn't cost you a thing. I would expect to see them start hitting that message. Yeah, you soon. know what? I, I want them to lean in even farther and say, hey, you never known us as the guys who have our own silo. You know why? Because we make hits out of other people. Last time we made a hit, a little company called YouTube. You ever hear of it? We powered that thing all the way to greatness. <laughs> then we had I don't to know sue if them. Be promoting their lawsuit mm. against YouTube, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if the narrative's already there, you just pick it up and start driving. Yeah, uh, meanwhile, the latest running Viacom than back then. So uh, the uh, the latest streaming platform to raise prices is YouTube TV, whose forty dollar a month plan rose to. $50 a month on April 10th for new customers. Existing customers will see the price go up uh, after May 13th. The price rise co- coincides with the addition of Discovery Network's channels. This is a smart play. If you're going to disguise a, a, a price increase, then make sure that you got value to justify it. 
Mm. Yeah. Everybody seems to have their excuse for why their price is going up. Everybody's price is going up because they needed to keep it at cost or losing money on YouTube's case. They were losing money on this in order to acquire customers. Uh, and now they're everybody's blinking like, okay, we need to get back to profitability. So uh, from a lot of the math that I've read, this won't even make YouTube TV profitable, but it'll at least make it so it's not losing money. Netflix is launching a comedy radio station to air on Sirius XM radio channel 93 starting today as we're recording this show, April 15th. The channel is called Netflix is a Joke, featuring excerpts from Netflix comedy specials, so Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Ellen DeGeneres, Jerry Seinfeld, among others. There will also be an original daily show featuring celebrity guests and comedians discussing pop culture and hot topics of the day. So that'll be your primetime show, I expect. And Netflix is reportedly planning on a print magazine called Wide to be distributed for free in June ahead of Emmy voting and supposedly in talks to acquire the historic Egyptian theater on Hollywood Boulevard in order to show Netflix movies during the week, not for awards consideration necessarily, it's just one theater, but but to highlight them and still support uh, what the Egyptian theater does uh, for the Cinematic Institute on the weekends. So who pays who in the SiriusXM deal? And I guess what I'm thinking of is originally in the movie right, E.T., right. They they wanted it to be M and M's, but M and M's you know wanted to charge too much, so they're like, well, forget it. We'll do Reese's Pieces, and it ended up being the most brilliant thing because free advertising with one of the biggest blockbusters of all time. Like, uh, who who's coming out ahead in that deal? I bet Netflix is paying Sirius XM. Really? I don't know that, but I bet because Netflix has money, Sirius XM needs money. Is generally the way I see these two companies, uh, and Netflix would be, see it as a great way to drive people to understand how much comedy they have, uh, which is just as much about retention as it is about acquisition of subscribers. Uh, and, and so it's basically just buying a big, big advertisement. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Scripps company Cats Network is set to relaunch Court TV May 8th with legal reporting and expert analysis of trials. Original Court TV anchor Vinny Politan will host closing arguments with uh, with Vinny Politan uh, weeknights from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. The original Court TV became True TV in 2008 and is run by Warner, who sold the Court TV name and trademarks to Scripps. I wish a, a fun fact. That was where my first failed pilot was. And uh, I have uh, the one thing I got was a hat that said Court TV, the investigation channel. Yeah. So Court TV's back, Richard. Yay. <laughs> All right, let's see if this one excites Richard. IMAX said it will open a 38-meter wide screen in Germany, making it the world's widest screen. That's wider than a Boeing 737, and it'll be about 22 meters tall. I, uh, He's speechless. Yeah. Skype has stolen the words uh, from his mouth. I hate mouth. when that happens. So do you mean... Wider than a 737 is long? No, wider than a Boeing 737 is wide? Is wide. Wingspan? Yeah. yeah is, are wingspan. we talking wingspan? I, I think that yeah. is. Oh, wingspan. Yeah. Okay. No, not I'm fuselage. fuselage. <laughs> like, huh? You're like, yeah. I, I've been on a 737. It does not have that much room. I was cramped. No, no, yeah, no. Exactly. No. I'm all about the IMAX. I love IMAX. I remember as uh, a much younger person having an opportunity to go up into one of the IMAX booths and seeing the sideways reels of 70 millimeter film that they were running with, 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 
the 70 millimeter actually being the height of the frame instead of the width. I mean, it's just the, the technology that they have invested in over the years and evolved is just fascinating to me. Yeah. And honestly, this is what theaters have to do. Uh, they have to make them make themselves spectacles uh, in order to get people to want to go there because it's something they couldn't get anywhere else. So I'm not surprised to see this. Yep. Let's get to the dispatches from the front. Norm from the Central Valley, go Oaks, says, hey, guys, I'm moving towards cutting the cords. So how do you do that with kids under six? You need to do it slowly and get tons of PBS shows. At least that's my approach. I purchased the Amazon Recast about a month ago. So far, the quality of the over-the-air recorded content is awesome. I even got some older shows from channels I hadn't heard of. I followed the setup, and it suggested putting my antenna in a south-facing area of the house. However, that was not a good spot for me, so I put it in the total opposite side of the house near my PC. I assumed I'd have to make some changes later on, but I haven't had to. All of my shows from the major networks are coming through crystal clear. My only complaint so far is that the fast forwarding of the Fire Stick remote doesn't move as fast as your traditional DVR, but I'm hoping Amazon will fix that with software at some point. That's my unasked for correspondence from the field. Thank you, Norm. Dude, unasked for correspondence is our favorite type of correspondence, uh, including this one from David W. Hey, gents, had a new conundrum this week. We canceled DirecTV now due to the raise in rates. Wife and I had a, a, to set a hard limit for about $40 a month for streaming cable-like service, so we were in the $35 a month original plan, and the new bump was going to set us up to take them up to 50. We were all set to go to YouTube TV and I was about to set up the account. They raised their starting rate to 50 bucks. We're now going back to the original no cable that we had uh, before streaming services due to cost hikes. Can't justify it at these prices. I wonder what kind of drop off these services were expecting with these price hikes. They all uh, they are all with the exception of Sling TV more expensive than my local cable cable providers starting rate of $45. Man, I got to wonder if that $45 doesn't hide some fees and taxes oh, they and all, stuff. They There's no do. way. They all, they, all hide, they all hide fees and price hikes. Yeah. Uh, because, yes, if you're, and this is where the chicken challenge started, uh, if you're exceptionally vigilant, you can keep that price lower, but the average cable customer pays more than $100 a month in the U.S. Right. Uh, this next one reminds me of that guy from Annapolis we got the email from last week. Uh, I wonder who that was. Yeah, I, I liked that email, though. It had spirit. <laughs> Kaylee wrote, what do you call it when you kill the Netflix cord? I canceled Netflix today. I tolerated them removing in-app purchases on iOS. I was frustrated by the lack of TV app support on the Apple TV. I wept over the cancellation of a show giving much-needed representation to underrepresented groups one day at a time and held back my rage over their responses to fans hoping to save the show. But removing AirPlay was the last straw. The Apple TV interface is loud and bothersome. Instead of relaxing and browsing, I feel pressure to keep moving the remote or deal with autoplaying trailers. Being able to AirPlay from my iPad was simple, easy, and useful. Not only at home, but in places I don't have home internet or personal devices, like in the classroom. I get the sense that they feel like they can't lose, and I'd rather give my money to Apple in the fall and other streaming companies now than continue to support Netflix. Even in Japan, they're not the only game in town anymore. 
Uh, meanwhile, Joseph from Chicago says, Crackle's the service I use like old-fashioned cable TV to find a random movie to watch when I just wanted something good and fun, but I know that I, that I, uh, but I don't know that I want to, but I don't know what I want to watch. He says it's free. It has light movies, not heavy content like Netflix. They have great classics around holiday times. Last Halloween, I loved, uh, love watched the Leprechaun movies, including the one in which he was in the hood on Crackle. It's like the TNT movie on cable for cord cutters. Ah, that's a good that's, way to put it. That's a good it. case. It's, yeah. Um, although you still have to make a decision. That's always the thing. Like I miss that turning on the TV and having it just be on a, on a channel and me get sucked in like, Oh, what's this? It's, <laughs> that does, that doesn't happen when you have to make a decision on these things. But I get, I, I like that. It's like TNT for cord cutters. Uh, thank you, Richard Gunther for joining us today. I'm so glad that I was able to join you. You know, I'm a little bit disappointed, though, because usually when I'm listening to the show, I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I could be on this week so I could argue with Brian. Mm. And ha! I had nothing to argue about this time. That's right, because, I, because I'm right. You, you showed up, and there I am, just right. <laughs> the, you put the pressure on Brian That's to be right. right. Yeah. Uh, well, if folks want to find out where you're right most of the time, where should they go? Yeah, so I uh, have a couple of podcasts, and I'm also an editor at the digitalmediazone.com. We talk about cord cutting, we talk about smart home, we talk about uh, digital media and gaming. So check us out over there, and we'll be talking a little bit, I think, in this week's spoiler time. I also do a podcast called Let's Talk About Thrones. I wonder what that's about. Hmm. I just uh, got invited to be on that on April 29th. I know. I'm excited about that. Two weeks from now. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a big episode, too. Uh, so check that out, thedigitalmediazone.com. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll uh, see you again next time. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message. At the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, I've got a name. you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's some classic names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people. Like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>